HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Nyman Ranch. I'm Paul Willis, a fifth-generation farmer and co-founder of Nyman Ranch Pork Company. Learn more about us at nymanranch.com. This episode is brought to you by Honeycomb Credit. Heritage Radio Network listeners can learn more about the power of community capital by visiting honeycombcredit.com hrn. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. This episode is produced in collaboration with The Counter, a nonprofit, independent, nonpartisan newsroom investigating the forces shaping how and what America eats. I'm Kat Johnson. Today, we're asking... Is free lunch application counts, is that metric outdated in terms of measuring student poverty when it comes to school funding. That's Jessica Fu. And I'm a staff writer with The Counter. We have an update for you on what exactly is going on with school lunch programs across the country as we mark one year of COVID-19's impact on our food system. I previously spoke to Jessica back on episode 10 of The Big Food Question, when the USDA first extended waivers to provide free meals to children under 18. Last month, Jessica published an update about an unexpected ramification of those waivers. Basically, the problem is that even as free lunch has become universal, schools' funding remains dependent on the students who sign up. We came across this story just through some coverage in local outlets, kind of uh, reaching out to the community saying, get your free lunch applications in. That's really important for funding. And my editor was like, you know, if we don't get these applications in, what happens to schools um, and what happens to school funding? So we started reaching out to business officials at schools as well as nutrition officials to just really understand how free lunch application counts interface with the funding equation on an annual basis. And what we discovered was that in more than half of states, states use free lunch application counts as a measure of student poverty, which it then uses as a way to determine how much funding to allocate to different schools based on need. So when free lunch application counts fluctuate, so does funding. And that ultimately suggests that if, if 
free lunch applications were to suddenly drop for any reason, such as during a pandemic, when you know right now lunches are all free for students, with or without a free lunch application, that might have unintended consequences on funding. To recap, the USDA waivers made school lunches free for everyone under 18, and many schools continue to operate fully or partially remotely. That means fewer opportunities for parents and teachers to interface. All of these factors mean that free lunch applications are down this year. You may be wondering, why would any parent fill in the paperwork if the meals are now free? Well, Many will still send in their applications due to other benefits they entail, like discounts on school fees and standardized testing costs. The application is also required if families want to access pandemic EBT, which are food benefits meant to make up for any lost school meals. If if your kids can get a free meal regardless of whether or not you fill this application out, it's, it's just one less thing to do if you don't fill it out, if you don't have to. But that's not, that's not it. I've heard from school officials that typically in a non-pandemic year, they'll hold these registration events where students and staff and parents can all meet each other and paperwork can be handed out and officials can really encourage families to fill out this paperwork, fill out other paperwork, and just kind of rally a school community together to get this kind of stuff done. Um, there's less face-to-face communication this year and so it's just harder to reach families and tell them that you got to fill out this form and send it over our way and I've also heard from some school officials some nutrition officials that the tenor and the political climate under the Trump administration dissuaded some families who might have a mixed immigration status from applying for free meals out of concern that that might have immigration related ramifications down the line. So how exactly will this decrease in completed applications impact school funding? So it sounds like it depends on the district. I don't know exactly what happens in all 50 states, but I, I heard from I heard from a few school districts. And in some cases, there's kind of like a buffer between the impact of what these numbers might translate to and the current moment. So for example, I spoke with an assistant superintendent in Missouri, and in Missouri, school officials can choose to use whatever school lunch application count is highest within a three-year window. So if this year is an anomaly, and for some reason, such as a pandemic, families didn't fill out nearly as many free lunch applications as they would in a non-pandemic year, they can kind of write this year off. That's not the case for all schools, not everyone gets kind of that flexibility. What it does allow for is one-off outliers, but if the pandemic drags on, and I think we're hearing that we might still be in a pandemic in 2022, if these things continue, if our conditions continue, then these eventually schools will have to use a low number within a three-year window. On March 9th, the USDA announced they would once again be extending school lunch waivers this time through the summer of 2021. At the same time, the conversation around permanent nationwide universal school lunch is growing. Side note, if you want to hear the case for universal school lunch, take a listen back to The Big Food Question, episode 19, where I spoke to Dr. Katie Wilson of the Urban School Food Alliance. 
So back to Jessica. I asked, what is she hearing from school lunch professionals on the future of school lunch? I definitely have heard from nutrition officials who've argued and kind of toyed with the idea that maybe after this year where parents didn't have to fill out these applications to get free meals for their kids, it just might not be a habit of theirs anymore. School administrators have long argued that that would be a lot less paperwork for them if they could just serve all students. I think advocates have argued that it it reduces the stigma associated with getting free meals or having to apply for them. And it seems like with this waiver, this pandemic waiver, allowing all kids to eat for free, advocates are kind of arguing that A, this is possible, B, this is um, less of a headache for families and for schools, and and it's it's possible, and maybe it's something worth doing even after the pandemic is over. This is a story we will continue to track here on The Big Food Question. Our next episode will examine how the USDA's waivers have impacted the quality of school food and affected childhood nutrition. It's not enough just to give people something to eat and say, we're helping solve hunger. People deserve healthy food, and people deserve healthy food during a public health crisis because it's more important than ever to be doing all we can to stay healthy. I want to thank Jessica Fu for her help this week. You can read more of her work at thecounter.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Big Food Question. Stick around to hear what makes our show possible. My name is Paul Willis. I'm a fifth-generation hog farmer, and I owned and operated the Willis Free Range Pig Farm for over 41 years. I've dedicated my life to revitalizing sustainable hog farming methods in the Midwest and moving farms away from the common industrial practices. In 1998, I established the Nyman Ranch Pork Company. I'm proud to say Nyman Ranch has since grown into a network of over 740 independent family farmers and ranchers today. At Nyman Ranch, our animals are raised with care. We believe that the quality of an animal's life impacts the quality of the meat. Our high standards were developed with the help of animal welfare expert, Dr. Temple Grandin, and are among the strictest in the industry. All of our animals live outdoors or in deeply bedded pens, and they're never given antibiotics or added hormones ever, and are only fed a high-quality 100% vegetarian diet. Whether they're raising hogs, cattle, or lamb, Nyman Ranch farmers and ranchers share our commitment to traditional farming. Raising livestock in the way our parents and grandparents did and supporting our rural communities. We share a common belief that humane and sustainable methods produce the best possible flavor. Learn more about our work at Nyman Ranch at nymanranch.com. This episode is brought to you by Honeycomb Credit. Heritage Radio Network listeners can learn more about the power of community capital by visiting honeycombcredit.com HRN. We all know that food businesses like yours are the backbone of your community. 
You make your neighborhood a more delicious place to be, and your customers are hungry for more. Food businesses across the country are working with Honeycomb to open new locations, buy equipment, and grow. You too can unlock fair growth capital by allowing your community to invest directly into your business. A crowdfunded loan from Honeycomb deepens your customer relationships and gives them a whole new way to engage with your business. You'll also get access to thousands of local investors in the Honeycomb network who are passionate about seeing food businesses succeed. Honeycomb is the community bank of the 21st century. Fair rates, flexible terms, and no prepayment penalties. Honeycomb has proven to be an invaluable growth tool for all kinds of businesses, from James Beard-nominated restaurants and upstart food trucks to organic farms and award-winning breweries. Best of all, with Honeycomb, you're paying back your neighbors, not big banks. To learn more about how Honeycomb Credit can help grow your business while building vibrant, financially empowered neighborhoods, visit honeycombcredit.com HRN. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. Special thanks for this episode goes to Jessica Fu. This episode of The Big Food Question was produced in collaboration with The Counter, a nonprofit, independent, nonpartisan newsroom investigating the forces shaping how and what America eats. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Dylan Hoyer, Hannah Forden, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, and me, Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Kevin Chang-Barnum. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.